What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk. Oh, God. Can't even get through the intro. Sorry. Um, Just as a heads up, I know y'all been waiting. Nikita's drunk. No, so let's hope we make it through I'm this. What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk, the podcast. The insurgent bi-weekly, well, kind of bi-weekly, audio syllabus for and by queer folks of color. I am Money, the Virgo who's questioning that identity because, you know, I've recently come in to sidereal astrology. Oh, uh, what? Astrology? Exactly. Uh, I don't have time to explain it here. I'll just put a link to uh, the episode of a little juju podcast that explains this. <laughs> but basically, I've been having this moment of being like, bitch, am I a Leo? So, yeah, I'm a Virgo, according to tropical astrology, Western astrology. Okay. But. So, according to the white man. might be in question. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we know their the historical record of truth is uh, lacking. Anyway. False. <laughs> who am I? Well, I am. You know what? The inebriated introvert. Inebriate. You know what? I can't stand you, but I'm going to go with that. So I am the inebriated introvert. Oh, God. I think I'm drinking this drink a little too fast, but that's okay because we're having a good time. Happy 2021. We survived 2020 by the grace of somebody's gods. Which is not a small feat. You know, 400 thousand people did Perish, not so unfortunately right oh yeah. don't even get me started on that rant and that's just from the virus you know people die in regular ways too exactly the the slow death of uh capitalism imperialism racism ableism sexism all the stuff cancer yeah. all the things all right let's drop the <laughs> intro before we get any any more cheery on this first yeah. episode of 2021 <laughs> Love your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe inside my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every type, darkest night, brightest light, I'm loving your soul They hate you, replace you, take you, but know that you go Worldwide from every continent, I just want you to jig a little bit Move them hips, feel that bliss, hug your sister, make a fist Don't resist your temptation, you amazing, no limitation My favorite in this matrix, we move by your vibration And that's love, I hope you hear that on the daily Cause baby you love, I hope you hear that on the daily Cause baby you love I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby, you love, you love. All right, Nikita. Um, But, like, for real, though, there's a lot of, like, uh, grief and loss in the ether. So, it makes sense, yeah. Um, I think because everything is, like, forcing you to still function these days, like, you don't recognize, like, yo, we are going through something every day day. that's, like, what? What the fuck is going on? So, yeah. All right, Nikita. Um, well, welcome back, friend. Same. I've I've missed you. Um, 
we haven't really kikied in a since your birthday, like yeah. since like that birthday week in a long time. So I'm not even going. Wow, to it's been a break. Tell the listeners what you called me before we started recording. It was so nasty. Not just the words she said, okay. <laughs> but the way that she said it. And you can shoot me those daggers through your little raggedy Android phone, but that doesn't change the nasty words you just used to talk about me. Nikita, alleged- you may write me down in but history. Don't you dare besmirch <laughs> Maya Angelou with your coonery. <laughs> don't you dare. Money anyway. called me a hard R before we. She was like, "Get ready to." Record I did not call you a hard R. R. Money is like lying. Would you? Would you like to tell folks where they can find us? It's our first episode of 2021. This could be someone's first episode of Queer Walk. And now Nikita. they know the nasty names that you call me when you're not on the mic. Oh gosh. Okay. Would you just ask me where they can find us? Okay, sorry. That that hard seltzer I'm drinking is hitting. <laughs> is it the hard seltzer you hard are? <laughs> oh my goodness, she did it again. <laughs> anyway, whether you're a, a hard A or a hard R, you can find us on Instagram and on Twitter at QueerWalkPod, P-O-D. You can also... Let's be honest. You can kind of find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash QueerWalkPOD. And you can find us where this whole illustrious insurgent audio syllabus began, which is on Tumblr, QueerWalk.com. And where can folks listen? People can listen to us on Pocket Cast, SoundCloud, Stitcher, CastBox, and other major podcast platforms except for Spotify. All right. Money and I are the esteemed co-hosts of this program. But we could not make this whole shebang run without you all. So Money, could you tell people how they can contribute to the Queer Walk community? Sure can. All right. As the sober host of this podcast, um, I know the ways that you all can contribute. (laughs) You can do that one of two ways. So the first way, super duper major, is by loving us out loud. The ways, there's so many podcasts out there, y'all. The internet is so wide and vast. Um, The easiest way to put people on to Queer Walk, if you love us and want the episodes to keep coming, is to talk about us. You can do that by rating the episodes, leaving a review, requesting a topic, reposting the episodes when we post them, retweeting when we're out on the Twitter streets. And replying, let us know what you think about the episodes. Send it to your friends. Send them to all the listservs that be filling up your your email inbox all the time that you really don't want to be on. Maybe dropping a Queer Walk episode might spice things up a little. You can use the hashtag QueerWOC on all the things uh, to talk all things the podcast. And you can send us an email of your Curve Chronicles to QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. The second way that you can contribute to Queer Walk, which is equally as important, um, is by giving us some money. <laughs> you can do that over on the Cash App at Dollar Sign Queer Walk Pod, P-O-D, 
Or you can become a sustainer of the program by giving us small monthly donations at patreon.com slash queerwalkpod, We have some suggested amounts monthly, but you can give us as much or as little as uh, your pockets allow. And before we uh, jump into the next segment, I just want to thank everybody who uh, was looking out for us while we were on break. Yes. Um, yeah. To still still sharing the episodes, still playing episodes, texting me and Nikita, um, <laughs> hitting us up on social media. Uh, Diamond gave us a loving nudge last week. Oh, y'all on break break. Right. That, that tickled <laughs> so, me. Yeah. I had a friend. Thanks, y'all. We see it. And we appreciate it. I had a friend and they put up this status about this book club. And they were like, oh, I want to buy this book. And I would love to read it with other people. And I was like, unfortunately, I'm about to go back to work. And, you know, I would love to read this, but I'm about to go back to work. So I'm not really going to have time to read it. And she's like, by work, I hope you mean uh, recording uh, Queer Walk. Because she's like, you seem like y'all been on a break for a minute. And I was like, okay, okay, I get it. Understood understood <laughs> so yeah my, my mom's been like tell Nikita I said hey you know I ain't heard y'all on the podcast we get, in a it. While. We get it we get it <laughs> we're back yeah without further ado all right Nikita let's move it on along to the queer walk queer walk queer walk of the of week, week. oh shit this is going to be the first queer walk of 2021. It really is. It really is. And um, um, Nikita, would you like to tell folks what the queer walk slash queer pock of the week segment is? Yes. So when money is not uh, stamping me through the mud and tr- treating me <clears throat> like scum on the bottom of her shoe. Gosh, she stop at it. Least, she has the good sense to actually uplift, amplify, and celebrate other uh, queer women of color, queer people of color in the community. So this is just a segment where we give our roses to uh, a queer warm, a queer woman of color or a queer person of color who's just doing the goddamn thing. And what we always say is that, you know, we don't want to wait until, you know, people are all no longer with us to give them their roses. We want to do that while they're still here with us. Exactly. Yeah. And so to kick off the first one of 2021, I feel like a lot of us probably started our 2021 with her. So it just made sense yep. for her to be our first Queer Walk of the Week. Uh, Queer Walk of the Week this episode is actress Golda Rocheval. And I really hope I did not butcher her last name. Um, so I feel like some of y'all will probably be like, Golda? Who's Golda? Well, y'all probably know her as Queen Charlotte from Bridgerton fame. Um, everybody was loving all of her hairstyles in that show, myself included. Um, but before we get to Bridgerton, I just want to tell y'all a little bit about Golda. So she was born in Guyana and she moved to the UK as a kid. Um, and even though a lot of us might most notably know her for playing uh, Queen Charlotte. She's been acting for decades, both like on screen and on stage, has a long, long career in theater. Uh, Her first like major role was in 2000 in Jesus Christ Superstar, which is a rock opera, apparently. I always hear about Jesus Christ Superstar. I've never seen it. 
Don't know what it's Couldn't about. Couldn't I wouldn't know a thing. Um, she's she also acted in other uh, other things, both on and off stage, like um, Lady Macbeth and uh, other kind of soapy um, classics on stage. She also had guest appearances in shows like EastEnders, which is a British soap opera, or uh, as my grandma would say, uh, stories. stories. <laughs> the stories, the stories in Britain. Uh, and appeared in Luther, which, did you watch Luther? I feel like Luther would be up your alley. That was all up my alley. Of course I watched Luther. Luther starring Idris Elba. Um, Golda was also, uh, had some guest appearances in there. Most notably before Bridgerton, she played Othello in Liverpool's Everman Theater production of Othello. You know, the Shakespeare story about... Yeah, the black general who... Am, am I spoiling Othello for anybody? I, I don't think, think it's so. fine. You, you've had uh, millennia <laughs> to catch up. And, if, you know, if you missed that boat, you missed it. Yeah. So everybody, all the, like, headlines when she played Othello were like, Othello's a lesbian! Out black actress plays Othello! And it was all about her and Desdemona's relationship and she actually thought that it would be more sensationalized that Othello was being played by a woman. But it's like, <laughs> they, they completely skipped over that and went straight to the lesbian. That was my first thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were like, a woman is okay, but a lesbian. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was really when she started to gain like international notoriety as an actress. Um not just in the UK, but then, like, globally, people started, like, picking up the story of her playing Othello. And it ran for two years. So, shout out to Golda for that. Um, yeah, I'll put some links to uh, these other uh, plays that she's done. Some of them are available online, so you can, like, find more information or read more about Golda. But, yeah, I think, uh, I think obviously, her, quote-unquote, big break has been, you know, the Netflix hit, the Shondaland hit of Bridgerton and her playing Queen Charlotte. Now, she was mad excited to get the role of Queen Charlotte because, for folks who might not know, who might not, you know, be into, like, uh, following the, the crown and, like, the royal empire, all that shit... Diamond actually did a YouTube live on Bridgerton, and I'll put the link to that in the uh, episode description too. Um, but Queen Charlotte was actually uh, rumored to be a black queen. She's uh, sort of known as the first biracial um, royal. Uh, and so she's, even though Bridgerton is a fictional show, Queen Charlotte was an actual queen. The character is based off of her, rooted in history. Um, and a lot of historians believe that she was biracial, uh, black mom, white father. Um, and her name is Queen Charlotte of Mecklen- Meckle- Mecklenburg. Uh-huh. Anyway, yeah, Diamond broke it all down in uh, the YouTube video. So I'll put it in the description. But I just think this is so dope that I, at least as far as I can remember, this is the first depiction of a a black uh, British queen I've ever seen on TV. And not only that, but uh, 
you know, I like Bridgerton. It was cute or whatever. So I'm look so looking forward to seeing more of Queen Charlotte and Golda in that role. And I'm also looking forward to the hairstyles for next season. Bitch! <laughs> um, I don't want to get too far into the Bridgerton. Um, but I'm so glad that you broke down um, who this amazing actress is. So shout out to you, Money, for... Uh, illuminating some tidbits for us about Golda. Thank you. Well, I mean, you're the one who told me about her being queer, you know, and it just, you know, I was just like, well, all all your faves are gay. (laughs) Um, And... Of course. And just reading, like, I know she recently did an interview with Essence. Um, She's done a few interviews with, like, Glad and um, things like that. Just about being, like, she's been out her entire career and um, what being a black gay woman and acting in the UK has been like for her. So, shout out to her for doing the work. You know, I'm just repeating it to y'all. So Fair enough. Touche. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. All right, we're gonna move it on along to community contributors. Yeah. Well, you can see over the break we did not come up with um, a new way to intro this segment. So sorry. It fits along with the well. We're not in the roaring twenties yet. It it feels like this is still the the Great Depression. We're going to get there soon. It's no, going to swing back up. We're in the roaring 20s, all right. The roaring 20s are a roaring, fi- roaring fire straight from the pits of hell. <laughs> anyway, um, can you I- please explain to the listeners what the community contributor segment is, Nikita? <laughs> so this is one of our favorite segments here on the show. And the community contributor segment is just where we uh, give some shout outs to the people and the people in like specific places that are coming through and showing us love and supporting us. So, uh, as the name would suggest, it's the segment where we hear, uh, we give shout out and love to the people in our community who have contributed to this here community. Hence, community contributors. Thank, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you such an asshole? Nothing. Would you, you want to do uh, the community? No, you do it. Because you're making me feel self-conscious. Just do the segment, Nikita. Go ahead. All right. So, shout out to one of our podcast homies, uh, Interhole Uprising. So, uh, Interhole Uprising came through with a generous donation on the Cash App. Yes. So, thank y'all so much. We love y'all so much. And if you're shout not listening host. to... Inner hole uprising. What are you waiting on? You ain't doing nothing but sit on the couch anyway. Okay, Nikita. <laughs> anyway. All right. So I'm going to. Oh, look at these new patrons. This means so much because we've been on a break. So it's just so huge that people, you know, think that black uh, queer women deserve a break and should still uh, receive some contributions <laughs> from that. So, amen, amen. <laughs> shout out to the uh, new patrons. So, shout out first to SGD coming through with the initials. Thank you so much, SGD. <laughs> or is it Skada? I don't know, but either way, <laughs> it's SGD. Fool. Thank you so much, Skada slash SGD. Also, shout out and thank you so much to Nicolette. That's a good ass yes. name right there, Nicolette. Oh, and also thank you to Kai, 
uh, Jay, Matt, and Allegra. Damn, y'all really came through with the uh, new patrons. We appreciate that. They to did. each and Thank every y'all. single one of y'all. Yeah. And you don't have to be basic. You can be uh, upgraded and be an amazing patron, just like Skadilla, S slash SGD, Nicolette, Kai, J, Matt, and Allegra. Yeah, and I'll be bringing some uh, patron-exclusive content to y'all in the 2021 that I'm really excited about. So stay so tuned. Good. Yeah. Maybe money will finally let me do my butch strip tease in 2021. on The, the patrons, will. that's not what they're giving us money for. They don't want to see that. I think people do. Use the hashtag QueerWOC if you would, in fact, uh, oh, like to see Nikita do a butch strip tease. Just a heads up, Nikita can't dance, and the only lingerie she has is socks. So, And basketball um, Okay, shorts. I think that is neither here nor there that I can't dance. <laughs> that doesn't mean I can't move seductively. Wink, wink. All right, y'all. Um, and for our borders, our fake shout outs. So this particular element of community contributors is where we like to highlight the places who came up in our top um, 10 on the, you know, SoundCloud stats. Uh, we just really, you know, like to know that folks are listening to us in these places that we've never even been or heard of and outside of major metropolitan yeah. areas where people think are the hubs of queer life. Queer life is everywhere, because we everywhere. The first board is a fake shout-out goes to Bridgetown Barbados! Oh yes! my gosh, shout-out to Bridgetown? <laughs> yes! Um, you know, maybe, maybe in 2024, you know, after the vaccinations have been plentiful yeah, and stuff, yeah. might get to uh, go check out Bridgetown. But thank y'all so much in the meantime for listening to Queer Walk. All right. Up next, we got Mannheim, Germany. Is that how you say it? That's right. Looks like it. Mannheim. Okay. Germany always holding us down. Thank y'all, Germany, for always tuning in, listening to us bump our gums. And last but not least, we got Westminster, Maryland checking in uh, in our top four since we've been on break. So thank y'all in Westminster and Bridgetown and Mannheim. What the hell's going on in Westminster? I want to know. I don't know why. It just sounds bougie. Is that like it? the? Oh, never mind. What is it? Is that the name of the? Um. Is that the name of the the dog competition show? Yeah. Yeah. Does that happen there? I thought that was somewhere else. I thought that was like the UK. I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, so many cities have the same name because colonizers were not original. No creativity at all. What y'all be doing in Westminster? Let us know, because I need to know. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed... I never heard of that part of Maryland. Not that I know every city in Maryland, but it just... It don't sound like it slapped, to be honest. (laughs) Nikita, that... Is offensive. No, it's not. To the they know it don't. Live in they know nothing. Slap in Westminster. Nikita, you That's live why they in listening. Syracuse, New York, and don't nothing slap in the cues. I know that. <laughs> That's a lie. Actually, that wind be slapping except, the shit. Except for this ass. <laughs> I couldn't make it slap, clap, snap, or anything to save Nikita, my life. Nikita, you're fired. This is nothing but the hard seltzer talking. Anyway, moving. 
on along to the crown jewel of Queer Walk, my personal favorite segment of this. Oh, I guess your cats agree. So (laughs) this is the mental moment. And I'm going to change the title of this segment. This is not just the mental moment with money. This is the mental moment with Dr. Money, comma, LMFT. Okay. (laughs) And what is the mental moment and why do those letters matter? Riot, calm down. I'm going to take, I'm going to explain it. Calm down, Kat. (laughs) He's trying to beat you to it. (laughs) The mental moment is the moment. And like I said, the crown jewel of a show, of our show, where our resident mental health professional, Montanique, shares some kind of insight or tidbit into helping us live our live our best lives, especially in terms of our mental health. And she's not just some bitch who's got an Instagram and is going to post fly pictures and talk about something as vague and ambiguous as hashtag self-care. Yes, I am firing shots. Montanique. Nikita. Is. No, I'm not because people do this. Every, okay, I'm not going to go on it. Anyway, the point is Montanique has been studying, not just studying in a theoretical sense, but practicing mental health for a very long time. She's been in school for decades. And so so she knows what she's doing. That's that's what I want to say. Again, not some random bitch who found one self-help book 10 years ago and doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about. This is the real deal. So without further ado, (laughs) Dr. Money, what are you going to regale us with today? Yes, I I just shot five shots. I would just like to say that the... At all these fucking basic ass quote-unquote social media influencers who don't know what the fuck they're talking about. I just feel like Nikita is very angry with some of these, like, you know, social media healers. Motherfuckers who get online and say depression is a sign is because you eat pork. Yeah, I I just really feel like... You know what? I'm going to say it. Fuck it. I think hood healer needs to be deplatformed. Like, that person should not have any... Any following, much less the amount of following that they have on verified platforms, social media platforms everywhere, to be spreading disinformation and misinformation about mental health. It's harmful. It's very, very harmful. And it's just, I mean, I said all I had to say on Twitter about it. It's just like, this is the reason why queer folks and disabled folks leave faith-based communities because of this kind of rhetoric, it's the it's the reason why people feel like um, that going to see a therapist is the worst thing you could do or like an admittance of having some kind of like flaw or weakness. It's, it's all the, the things that we moved out of the 90s. Like we've done so much cultural yeah. work around mental well, well-being to get black folks to a space where we're not reactive to um, to like the intergenerational things we've been facing, and it's just it just irks me when like someone who has not has not been thoughtful or practiced in any kind of way about this stuff is 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 like quite literally uh, spreading so much mi- misinformation. It also makes me feel like 
do I really got to write this stuff when I put so much work into this podcast to do these mental moments to help my folks? It's like uh, between teaching and actually doing therapy and doing the mental moments. It's like I I don't want to be out here writing listicles for whatever, whatever blog, but maybe right. I should because people need need the alternative. It, I don't think that people, you know, flock to these things because they think that they're sound <laughs> or like, oh, she's spitting fire information here. I think it's the, it's there, right? Like it's, yeah. <laughs> when somebody has like 75,000 followers, like that is shit, it's always there. And so, um, you know, me and my 200 followers, we, <laughs> maybe I'll start there just like tweeting out the mental moments because folks need the alternative and. There's absolutely nothing, nothing uh, spiritually wrong with you if you need therapy and and spirituality. Like me and Juju right. did that whole segment, you know, exactly. talking about like these things are not mutually exclusive. They go hand in hand with each other. So, yeah. Um, well, thanks, Nikita, for starting us off there. But um <laughs> Uh, and I just like to, I would like to put a little asterisk. I was in school for decades, bitch. I'm done, okay? Ain't no more degrees. I know, because okay, I got them all. Enough. Okay? <laughs> okay? I got the Cognate, the Certificate of Advanced Study, the PhD, the M- the MED, the BA, okay? The BS. I got them all. <laughs> and the yes. And the... And the student loan debt to prove it. Uh, right. worked work to Bernie. Hashtag cancel guess. student loan debt. You got the OPP. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> <laughs> the BYOB. So, yeah. the, the only way that I am currently tied to institutions of education is because I teach at them. Not, <laughs> I do not desire to be anybody's student ever again. So, all right, y'all. So, this is our first episode of 2021, so I really want to come out, you know, swinging, just in case this is the first mental moment you have ever heard on a Queer Walk podcast. Now, um, usually I try to give y'all a list, a uh, acronym, or some alliterative, alliterative thing to help with your mental wellness, your mental faculties, your mental capacities, and this episode is no different. I got a list, y'all. So, I would just like to say, shout out to my baby sister, uh, at Black Geek Magic. Um, She really inspired this mental moment. Um, We had actually been talking about therapy. Uh, She did a video post about trichotillomania, which, in in case folks aren't familiar, that's... I'll probably... Oh, I'll actually probably do a mental moment on trick for... um, another day, but it's a compulsive, um, anxiety, uh, disorder, right? So we were basically talking about how to deal with anxiety as black girls when so much of the things that get presented to us as fixes for anxiety, we don't see ourselves in, you know, and having that conversation with her, we were talking about how like a therapist would be like, well, have you journaled? Well, you know, journaling is great and (laughs) journaling, journaling for depression, for anxiety, for life, like journal, journal. And um, it made me think like I've been on both ends of that. Like I've been the client in the situation where my therapist is telling me to like journal, 
for very good reasons, right? Like I've even talked about journaling on Mental Moments before, how like, you know, writing has all of these uh, healing properties. It's like a release, a catharsis. It's a way to like, um, to go back and reflect on like where you used to be. If you've ever read any old journal entries that you've ever written. They make me cringe. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, who, who was that tragic bitch? Right. So it's, it's like a very good practice. I mean, some of some of my favorite people of all time were avid journalers. I remember when we talked to APG, the high priestess of Queer Walk. Um, one of my favorite pieces by her is The Shape of My Impact. And she talked about how that started as a journal entry, right? So, I mean, journaling, yes, speak all the praises. I be, but I've been the client in the moment that's like, I ain't finna write about this. Like, <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. And I've also been the therapist in that situation. That's like, oh my gosh, I know journaling would really help right now. And had the client be like, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Oh, really? That's so nice. Okay, girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, all right. Yeah, so I think because it's such the tried and true self-release practice like we just get in the habit of talking about journaling so for this mental moment i wanted to run through um unjournaling practices so 10 self-relief practices that are not journaling um and so what do i mean by self-relief so self-relief uh when i think about it i think about closing the cognitive behavioral loop of having an emotion. So um, I I think I'll get to this a little bit when I talk about um, one of the things on the list. But basically, anything that we do to release or move us through a feeling and feel like we're actually present in where we are, that is like a self-relief practice. So of course, journaling, a lot of people find that relief through there. But there's a lot of other ways. So let me let me get y'all into some. Let me put y'all on to some, okay? So number one on my list is forest bathing. Y'all about to be like, money, this is not a real thing. What do you mean forest bathing? Let me let me let me explain. And you don't even have to be, what is it called? A dendrophile? Someone who's uh, like what? Dendrophile. It's like you love you love trees and forests and woods. I never heard that. You make that up? Definitely didn't. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but it's definitely a word for it. Like, you know, like bibliophile for books. and. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm what pretty it, sure. A tree lover? Yeah, that's what oh. I just said. Okay, you nasty fucking tree lover. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a slur. You, <laughs> it does sound like a slur. You don't, you don't even have to be a dendrophile to, for forest bathing to help you, Okay. So, y'all, I listened to this um, podcast um, by Jade Wu, Dr. Jade Wu. I can't remember the name of it right now. I'm blanking, but I'll definitely put it in the description to this episode. But I heard her on one of the episodes talk about this book by Dr. Uh, King Lee, who uh, calls himself a forest therapist because he's seen how many benefits people get from forest bathing. Um, And I'll put a link to the New York Times article uh, of Dr. Lee's work. So what is forest bathing? It's essentially going, finding some trees, 
and sitting next to them. <laughs> this is forest bathing is not about you know like hiking deep somewhere and like the hike is the is the thing. It's not about any kind of like activity you need to be doing. It's quite literally just being with big ass plants <laughs> and um and experiencing what it feels like to soak in that experience. Uh, why is this so helpful for us as a release? Well, there was this study done by the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. The average American spends 93% of our daily time indoors. Oh, my God. So that means we, we're only coming in contact with the elements 7% of our day. And I would say for those of us who live in cities, it's probably even less than that. Like <laughs> if you yeah, if you add up yeah. the actual time you're outside. Um and and so that we're just not built to function that way. We're supposed to see the sky, we're supposed to see <laughs> changes in the weather, um, we're supposed to be impacted by those things. So the best way to do that is to sit down and watch a tree. Uh yeah, it's just really relaxing. Uh in in Japan, they even um, have, like, this whole practice around it. So, like, the way we have, like, um, like I imagine it, like, uh, aquatic yoga class, they'll, they'll go forest bathing. And so they'll take their yoga mat and just lay out under some trees. And like I said, like, you don't have to be deep off into some woods to experience this. On my down days here, I just go to the park by my house and there's, you know, trees, bushes, a little bit of uh, water. So I just, you know, sit out there. Sit out, yeah. And it, it does. It just feels like, oh, wow, this is what air feels like, like actual air, not like the the oxygen floating around my apartment. So, <laughs> yeah. So try it out. Forest bathing. All right. Number two on my list of 10 self-relief practices is take a nap. Oh, I live for a nap. I love a good nap. As we all should live for naps. Um, I, I For a while, like back, back in the day on Queer Rock, I was like a sleep evangelist. <laughs> I was just like, have you heard the good word of sleep, right? Like everything in our um, like society in America tells you that you should be like grinding running yourself into the ground, team no sleep, uh, vampire life, all these things. And that is so counterintuitive to the whole way our bodies function and restore, including our emotional wellness. So how does napping help? How is it a self-release? So I just want to put a little bit of like these like stats. So consistently, like every, every few years, they do these studies of like, what are the happiest countries? Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Right. Um, the countries yeah. that report the lowest caffeine intake and more hours of sleep consistently rank highest in in those studies. You know what that means? They're sleeping more than everybody else. <laughs> I about to say they're taking their ass to yeah. sleep. Um, and something that Nikita said to me and then my doctor recently reiterated is that you cannot make up sleep. I think we have this... Yeah, we have this like running. um, It's like a cultural thing of like, okay, I'm gonna pull an all nighter today, but tomorrow I'm gonna sleep in. Like that's that's not that's not how any of this works. (laughs) 
like lost rest is lost rest. Um, your body, when you go into sleep dep- deprivation, as few as two hours of sleep deprivation can start to cause physical or emotional impacts on you. So don't delay your physical or emotional wellness for anything. I promise you that work will still be there when you wake up. <laughs> um And I'm not saying that you need to always be getting like eight and a half or more hours of sleep. A nap can be just the thing you need to reboot and restart. So this professor at the University of Hertfordshire, uh, Professor Wiseman, um, said that previous research has shown that naps of 30 minutes or less can make you more focused, productive, and creative throughout the day. And then new findings suggest that you can also become happier by taking short naps throughout the day. We're better able... Oh, and then this other study that I was looking at um, through the NAP ministry. Shout out to the NAP ministry. If y'all not following the NAP ministry, follow them on all the things. They um, frame napping for (laughs) queer and trans uh, indigenous folks of color as resistance. Like, we've been denied rest for generations. (laughs) We deserve. We deserve naps as reparations. (laughs) So they have posted this article that was talking about um, the way that our brain processes and holds on to information. And so this study showed that people were better able to process uh, and they define processing as like recalling the events of being able to tell you why it happened um, and the impact it had on them. So people were better to able to process negative thoughts when tired than neutral thoughts or positive thoughts. Do you get what I'm saying, Nikita? Does that make sense? No. Explain it. When you're tired, you're able to better recall negative things than neutral things or positive things. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I I don't know if I said that clear. To get your ass to bed, to go to sleep, because you're you're not going to... Like you're not gonna process um, like other kinds of thoughts, so it's like your is your mind more susceptible susceptible to like processing negative things. Yep, exactly. Wow. When you're so, tired. Yep. When you're tired, you hold on. You basically hold on to more accurately hold on to the negative than you do neutral things or positive things. Yeah. Okay. All so right. basically, you want to boost your mood, take a thirty minute nap, twenty minute nap. Yeah. Wow. All right, number three on my list of unjournaling, um, laugh meditations. So uh, laugh meditations are like really common. I You can find like YouTube videos about laugh meditation. I think a lot of people have heard like laughter is the best medicine. This is like a- an actual thing backed by science. <laughs> Laughing actually helps improve mood. And contrary to popular belief, it doesn't even have to be an authentic laugh. I can't tell you how many times a fake laugh or a fake smile has like turned into actual laughing because you'll do the like fake laugh of like, ha ha. And then, <laughs> and then you'll catch the other person <laughs> who's also fake laughing and y'all real laugh. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's so funny. We just did that. We just so did it. Weird. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so as little as like 10 minutes of laugh meditation a day can really um, kind of trick your body into releasing the happy hormones in the brain. So 
laugh meditations. This is also really good for folks who might be similar to me and I can't do the quiet, just light an incense and (laughs) meditate. I can't do those kind of meditations. Laugh meditation is much more doable for me. All right, number four on my list is alternate use tasks. Okay, I'm going to try not to nerd out about this, but it's one of my favorite oh, things from like... I'm psych- looking at the notes and she got all kinds of citations and shit on this one. Go ahead. <laughs> this is like from like Psychology 101. Um, shout out to all my undergrads majoring in psychology. Y'all, y'all probably, uh, this will sound familiar to you, but... Um, so you know how there's all these like personality tests, the thematic apperception test, the um, implicit bias test, all these kind of um, tests. Well, there's also this test. What was that first test you said? Thematic apperception. It's like oh, when yes, I'm well aware of that test. <laughs> oh, shut up, you anthro major. Okay, so. <laughs> All right, so an alternate use, um, also known as the Gulliford's alternate use uh, test, was like one of these kind of early um, assessments in psychology as well. So basically what it is, is they show you a common object, like a newspaper, um, a stapler, whatever, a well-known object that is um, like, it's widely understood when you see it, like what it's used for, like a hammer, for example, right? So the goal of the test is to list as many as you can of uncommon uses for that object, right? So, uh, and then you get scored on originality, fluency, and flexibility, which I will say are all things that you hope to encourage when you're writing, right? So you don't always got to sit down with a pen and paper and bust out a journal entry. You could just do an alternate use test real quick on yourself. Um, So for example, you can like have a pair of scissors, right? So that's a very common object. Everybody knows what it's used for. Can you try to think of like six different alternate uses for a pair of scissors? I can't think of it. What? See, I'm not creative. (laughs) You're also... (laughs) Uh, a Lit. weapon. So. <laughs> a weapon. A weapon, yes. Yeah. Um, um, I've traced, I've used the like, uh, the finger holes to trace a shape before. Okay. You can use uh, scissors to like hold down your paper if it's like, you know, windy. A paperweight. In an area, okay. yes. What about, you know when you used to use, um, anybody ever do this in school or something? You know, to like make ribbon. Yep, yep. I was just uh, about to say twirly. that. Twirly. Yeah. You, you scrape it across and it it winds it up. Yep. You like curl it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've also uh, used uh, scissors like a, a screwdriver when I haven't had a screwdriver. A screwdriver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, and and back back in my dorm days, you know, I, a scissors might be a knife. In in very rare cases, I must say a knife. Yeah, <laughs> and you be cutting cutting up your um your dinner with scissors. So, <laughs> oh, so wow. see that, what, the struggle is real. <laughs> so that's an alternate use you alternate use task um that we just did right. So I really love these because it just jumps you into thinking outside of the box, being creative. Things that folks on the margins always got to do. 
Um, right. Yeah, and it, it's it also like reminds me of like I don't I don't know how to say this, but like childish me, like my my happier, more playful self of like absolutely. Yeah, if I was just dropped into a place, I used to, when I was a kid, I used to have a whole bunch of fun with just like a tinfoil pan and some dirt. And now I'm sitting in this house full of all kind of stuff and just like, I'm bored. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, so try out an alternate use task. I love this one. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a really good one. So number five is, you know, the tried and true yoga. Um, Yoga can also be a self-relief practice. Um, I think everybody knows this. I don't have to sell y'all on yoga. It really helps root you in the moment, that focusing on your breath and also trying to do something with your body at the same time. Um, One of my favorites, though, is like what I've been trying to do. And I don't know what this is about. We, We talked about it briefly on a past episode, but I think I built myself up. With things, So I'm like, I can't do yoga because I don't have a whole hour to sit here and do like a virtual yoga class. So I've been doing the six way spine sway, which is um, if you are able, your spine is supposed to move in like six different directions. Right. So like you do the side, the side stretch, you know, we you put your arm over your head and do that. Um, you do the cat cow, the back and forth, and then it twists. Right. So you do the, the spin and grab the back of a chair or something. So I've been trying to move my spine in all of those six directions, which takes me like five minutes. Right. I could do that. I could do this in the shower in the morning. So it's just like a way that I feel accomplished. Like, oh, shit, look at me doing yoga <laughs> without the without the whole buildup of like. I need to log into this virtual class and yeah. turn on my camera. Yeah, so. Be here for an hour. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly, exactly. So just find like a little practice that you can flow through um, in the morning. And so for me, it's those different spine and back openers. Following along that wave, number six on my list is twerking, uh, ah, which is... Ah, <laughs> ah, ah. I mean... <laughs> If you're doing it right, it could also go into that six-way spine sway. <laughs> well, with the way that uh, my rhythm and my ass is set up, I'm, I can't even do it halfway. <laughs> you ain't do the busted challenge, Nikita. You, I couldn't bust anything open, even if I had a shotgun. <laughs> That's not how I was set up. <laughs> okay. So here under twerking, um, I would encourage you, so folks who use like twerking as like a presence and a self-relief practice, uh, Jazz, the king of the South, uh, I think, uh, I can't remember her handle right now. I think it's at Jazz. Jazz the, on your mind. Jazz on your mind. Yeah. Um, she has a whole like twerk worship shop, twerk shop series. Um, is always posting like twerking meditations that I very much so appreciate. I got to twerk with jazz. That's, that's one of the highlights of my life right there is throwing ass with jazz. So this is how I wanted to talk about twerking. Uh, first of all, going along with yoga, like hip, hip openers and moving your hips, which is such a huge joint. If you're able to have like movement in that joint, 
it can release so much like just tension that we hold throughout the day without even knowing and all of these like ways that we go about our day like sitting down for hours on end or walking the same path over and over again so uh, so with jazz i started this um talking about jazz like she quite literally when she started posting her twerking videos talked about how like she's overcome like sexual and like bodily trauma reclaimed her own yes her own physicality through twerking right like it's okay. my ass i could throw it if i want um and so it's an it's an alternative way to deal with something which is exactly the same things that i try to get folks to see as a narrative therapist is that this thing happens it doesn't have to be the defining thing we don't have to respond in this way that this thing wants us to so twerking all right number seven is voice notes um i had a client who uh used to journal like was an avid journaler as a kid but you know stress the demands of adulthood all that stuff you don't have time to be sitting there like journaling for three hours on end and voice notes became her way to do to keep up that practice but still fit it into her day you know ultimately in a way that worked for her exactly ultimately journaling is just a practice of uh sitting with yourself <laughs> uh self-reflection self-release um, and you could get that same kind of uh, thing in a voice memo to yourself. Um, I also use like voice notes with clients who um, started testosterone and wanted to hear their voice change over time. Ooh. That has that was like so moving because it's like you hear your own voice in your head every day. So you don't think that it's not, changing. You can't mark the shifts. Yeah, right. Right. So it became like a progression thing. Like, oh, my gosh, two weeks ago, my voice was like this. And now it's like this. Um, I also love this because I I think about when me, me, you and Diamond was at the Schomburg that time. And uh, that person on stage said, uh, I've seen like the kids, the queer kids of the future and they're looking for y'all. Yeah. Like all this way of leaving legacy, too, is like. Somebody can hear yeah, your voice, absolutely. you know, um, there's no misconstruing the like emotion that you had yeah. at that moment. So, yes, voice notes. Number eight is lists. I'm I, surprised this wasn't number one. <laughs> I feel like this goes without saying. Y'all could tell from this that I love a list. Um, so I think. Again, I build myself up, right? And I think about these people like Alexis Pauline Gums, who has published a journal entry, or like Octavia Butler, who every that everything she wrote in her journal came to fruition, or like Nipsey Hussle, who like wrote, wrote this right. all this um, like journaled stuff and manifested his whole life. Look, your journal does not have to be some long pros that someone will discover and then publish after your untimely death okay it just take that pressure off of yourself let all of that melt away it could literally just be words on a page it it can be a list 
a bullet journal, like a bullet pointed thing, free flowing associations. <laughs> they don't yeah. have to be full thought out, you know, Audrey Lore essays. You can just be journaling for you and it only has to make sense to you. So a list is... That's what I was just about to say. It's just, it's just gotta be just for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people be out here, you know, the... It's like a, a a benchmark. It's like, oh, journaling is like like Anne Frank or something. <laughs> you know, it's like Right, right, we, right. We no, we could just write for ourselves. Like <laughs> it only has to make sense to us. And along that same same wavelength, my next thing, number nine, would be scrapbooks. Scrapbooks are journals. Uh, oh journaling doesn't have such a good idea. Yeah. They don't have to be writing. Who said that? Who said that? You can, who said that? <laughs> you can make a photo journal. These were so popular when I was in high school. Like, um, everybody would do the, the like timeline of photos from their school year. Uh, you could do a scrapbook. My, um, my family, we we love a good photo album. You know, like journaling doesn't always have to be written. You can do it in photo and picture form as well. And last but not least is a mood playlist. Of course, money was going to do a playlist. <laughs> and if you don't have the words to describe the mood, you can't put it to words. You can't journal about it. It's okay. Maybe your favorite song can describe that emotion uh, better than you have. Better than you can. Um, I feel this way a lot about you know Frank Ocean songs, Brent Fires songs. When when um, Sonder Sun starts and the intro track and Brent goes, Why won't you hold me, sweet again? Safe in your There was a time where all I needed was a pencil Just to keep the stresses of this cold world out my mental For a lie My soul Like that 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 Yes That falsetto That's what my soul was crying Brent How did you know so well So <laughs> So on my Spotify I have playlists um, titled Sad Bitch Bops for the the songs that I love when I'm sad. (laughs) Um, I have a playlist called Words of Fire, which are like my affirmation songs. So um, I got J-Rock on there like, win, 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 win. Fuck everything else. Win, 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 win. That's, That's my number one song on that playlist. I have a playlist called Gentle Fuck, which is, <laughs> you know, when I'm when I'm feeling uh, say more. <laughs> it's like you feeling nasty, but not like not like trash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like gentle. Yeah. So, you know, I have a lot of phony people on that playlist. I have okay. I have Sid's body on that playlist. Yeah. So, you know, um, and I have uh, I just got paid playlist. Uh, <laughs> oh boy! So you know, LaKaylee, LaKaylee, forty-seven's money. 
I got money. Ooh, that's on there. <laughs> so, you know, um, sometimes it's, it's not all about like, okay, I'm not these, I can't find the words for it, but like these other people have the perfect words. Um, and this, this is like my last thing on mood playlists. Um, <laughs> shout out to my team, uh, at Queer Affirmative Therapy. Uh, I've, I've been a part of like that practice because of the homie Philandi who saw something in me that she believed in. And so we had an event the other day called Catharsis. And it was just for like queer folks of color of space to breathe, really. And we started off with a song. Um, Zeeshan led us in like this movement exercise. And it went from like this very calm song to right into formation. <laughs> Beyonce and then we closed it out with Say Nabo says I owe you nothing so you know it was just like a very music filled um vibe and we talked about um in catharsis like how mood like mood and music go like so hand in hand with each other so I encourage you to put some sounds to your mood hashtag mood all right so just to run down my t- I about to say, run that back, run that back. <laughs> My 10 self-relief practices that are not journaling. One is forest bathing. Two is taking a nap. Three is laugh meditations. Four is alternate use tasks. Five, yoga. Six, twerking. Seven, voice notes. Eight, make a list. Nine is to scrapbook. And last but not least, a mood playlist. Money, this is good. The only thing I would tweak is the twerking. You know, I, instead of twerking, I'd I'd hit a nice two-step. <laughs> you would tweak the twerk? Okay. I would tweak the twerk to a two-step. <laughs> well, you know, we, we, we all ain't able. We all ain't able. Don't I know it. <laughs> it's okay, Nikita. These knees. But yeah, so y'all let me know if this list was like helpful. Um, what, which one of these things did you, do you feel like you're most likely to try out? Hit me up at all the things using the hashtag QueerWOC and just let me know if this was helpful. Let me know. See, that, that would go, that would go on my I'm getting ready to go out playlist. That's the mood. The mood playlist? Yeah. Okay. No one's trying to settle down. All you gotta do is let me know. Damn, I still, I'm still riding hard for Kalela. I can't believe that. But the remix, the remix with Cupcake and all of them, yeah. Yeah. that would probably be on my Words of Fire playlist. Yeah. Yeah. What'd she say? You know my favorite line in that song. What'd she say? Because you wasting my motherfucking time. Motherfucking time. <laughs> Nigga, let me know her off my motherfucking line. I love that song. <laughs> There's a point where every time we were on the phone, I was saying that to you. You were. Randomly. (laughs) You were. (laughs) And then you wonder why I call you a hard R. Racist. Ding, 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 ding. And now, our leftist lesbian luminary labor lecture from our favorite feminist, Nikita. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, yeah. All right. 
All right, y'all. So this segment of Queer Walk, uh, which I lovingly call The Word, is where Nikita breaks down some social justice jargon that we need to know about, puts us on to the radical roots of something that we're currently discussing, or just overall gives us a political um, like temperature check. It's like the weather channel, but for political shit, if you will. Um, and she is just such a brilliant mind of our time that I always learn something. And where else can you get a nut as nutty as Nikita, who also <laughs> is so politically sharp, but here on Queer Walk. So without further ado, take it away, Keats. All right. So this is supposed, to, I mean, it seems kind of late because this is supposed to be the, um, the second part of my election analysis, but mm-hmm. so it don't feel so 2008. I saw an article and I think I want to tie in some of the stuff that I wanted to talk about in regards to some of the trends we saw with the election that happened in uh, November with, and I want to talk about this article that I just saw in the Washington post, uh, maybe like last week, everybody, I saw a lot of people in my timeline on Twitter talking about it. So the title of the article is to understand Trump's support. We must think in terms of multiracial whiteness. So this was an article that was, is, uh, it's an op-ed in the Washington post, uh, by professor, uh, Christina Beltran. And so she's trying to, it's a piece where she's trying to make sense of basically, you know, why are there like people of color, you know, men of color, uh, I think in particular that are involved in like these far right organizations, like, um, the proud boys and like these neo, like neo-fascist groups, like the proud boys, the, what some of the organizers along with the stop the steal, you know, when Trump was trying to say that people were stealing, you know, the election Mm -hmm. and all that. And so she comes up with this uh, concept of multiracial whiteness. Um, and again, it's her attempt to try to make sense of this. I don't think mm-hmm. that it makes sense. So, like, I I, I want to talk. I, <laughs> I feel like I don't have a filter. I can't drink hard seltzers before the show. <laughs> it was a hard seltzer, y'all. It was like 0.2% alcohol in it. But go ahead, Nikita. It's probably a little bit more than that. Maybe like 0.5. Anyway, so <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm going to read a quote from the piece Uh, where she's kind of laying out what she means by that term. So this is a quote. Quote, rooted in America's ugly history of white supremacy, indigenous dispossession, and anti-blackness, multiracial whiteness is an ideology invested in the unequal distribution of land, wealth, power, and privilege. A form of hierarchy in which the standing of one section of the population is premised on the debasement of others. Multiracial whiteness reflects an understanding of whiteness as a political color and not simply a racial identity, a discriminatory worldview in which feelings of freedom and belonging are produced through the persecution and dehumanization of others. 
And so she goes on to say, multiracial whiteness offers, offers citizens of every background the freedom to call Muslims terrorists, demand that undocumented immigrants be rounded up and deported, deride BLM as a movement of thugs and criminals, and accuse Democrats of being blood-drinking pedophiles. And of course, the blood-drinking pedophiles thing is all about the QAnon conspiracy nonsense. We're not going to get into that shit. So... When I read, I love your face, money. I wish people could see it. <laughs> I got I already got something to say, but this I want this no your, because uh, I because there's something, there's some immediate things that jumped out to me. But I want to hear your reaction to that. I, I think my my immediate response to that is, uh, um. When when non-white people participate in these white things, um, they often don't. They face like the consequences that people of color will face anyway. Should they be caught like breaking the law or whatever, yeah. and they don't actually get to like ascend or tra- <laughs> transcend into having white privilege. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I yeah I just like picture a conservative uh, man of color driving along in an expensive car, you still going to get stopped for driving while black. Right, you know, right. it's like that you don't get absolved of all the things that come along with. My main thing when I read this is like, so the thing that stuck out to me is that when she talks about She says, multiracial whiteness is an ideology invested in the unequal distribution of land, wealth, power, and privilege, a form of hierarchy in which the standing of one section of the population is premised on the debasement of others. And my immediate response to that is like, there are other factors and points of social location in which people um, exercise power and privilege. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, we Mm -hmm. already have other terms for this. Yeah, yeah. Like ideology, class, gender. And so I'm like, (laughs) and it just like the whole, like I understand that she's trying to make sense of like a real phenomenon, but I'm like, there are other things that we can use that to talk about this. this. Like, yeah. it's interesting that she's... So, one of the... And this is what I wanted to talk about. Because she opens the piece up by talking about... Well, in the piece, she mentions one of this this guy. His name is Enrique um, Tadio. And so, Enrique is a self-identified Afro-Cuban. And he's, and he's the chairman of proud of that neo-fascist group proud boys and so again he's a self-identified afro-cuban uh he's raised in um miami she says specifically in like little havana and i'm like there are other things and so this was the mm-hmm. motherfucker that um she m- makes a point of this in the article that burned the one of the blm banners uh, that was taken from a black church he did it the month before so that's him so and this is so interesting to me because I'm like, and so this is a thing that I wanted to like talk about in um, like, and it kind of goes back to the election 
because everybody kept talking about, oh, like there's this huge increase in the Latino vote for Trump. And it's like, it's not a coincidence that this is a guy, uh, he's self-identified Afro-Cuban. And it's like one of the things that I read in like, <clears throat> and like, this is like something you didn't, it's like, I had a hunch of this before I even read it, but it's like, I think I was listening to, what's that podcast that, uh, The Dig, um, the, the political mm-hmm. left wing uh, podcast. And Daniel Denver had a really great phrase about when he was talking about Florida. And he was like, oh, yes, Florida. And he's like, we all know that Florida is like a denizen of Latin American conservative reaction. And so it's like when you look at like the people, a lot of the people from like Latin America who have gone to Florida, it's it's like the ruling class, white reactionary folks mm-hmm. um, from Cuba, Cuba Venezuela, Venezuela mm-hmm. and Nicaragua. And so I'm like, all of that has everything to do with ethnicity, race, ideology, and class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but I'm like, there's no mention of that when she talks about this guy Enrique Tadio. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So like, I'm like, the framework. So I, and I want to be clear what I'm not saying because I do think that there are people on the left who who are bad on these issues. I'm not saying that race and like this ideas about you know, I'm not saying that these ideas are like separate from like race and whiteness. But I'm saying like even something as simple as like I think I was looking online and like the Proud Boys is like a male only organization, <laughs> and I'm like there's like. There's like a patriarchy piece here. There's like a gender piece Mm -hmm, here. mm -hmm. You know know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And just going, like, I think some of the best, and one of the conversations I I will definitely have to post from, I think, in that conversation where Daniel Denver was talking uh, about, you know, kind of like like the politics of like the folks who have immigrated from Latin America. Again, like these reactionaries who have, who have um, immigrated um, to, Florida, like that group of Latinos is not the same group of Latinos. It's not the same kind of people in um, Arizona, mm-hmm. right? Not the same kind of like like Latinos or Latinx folks in um, Texas. Mm-hmm. And so the thing I really appreciate about Mike Davis and what he does in that interview, um, and he's written some stuff about it afterwards. He was talking about how um, in like the Rio Grande uh, Valley in the region, like the very, like it's a very Southern, Southern part of Texas, like on the border, like people were trying to make sense of how this agricultural farm worker community, uh, mostly uh, Mexican folks, Mexican American folks, again, like a lot of them are, working class, poor uh, farm workers, families of farm workers, why did that go to Trump? And one of the things that um, Mike Davis talks about is how there was a, um, I don't remember the, there was, I can't, I don't know if he was a senator or, or it was the, it was the Democratic National Committee um, chair, was it Tom Perez? I, I can't remember who it was in particular, but somebody said back in um, two thousand. 12, no, not 2000, 2016, when Hillary uh, ran, they were like, we have to have a more concerted ground game effort in this region of the country. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do that. And Biden, there was no ground game. Um, there was no political effort from the Democratic Party 
to engage, message, or mobilize these voters. And there is, and I think I read some article, and like, or it was in that interview where Mike Davis is like, there's been talk about how some of these um, communities, um, it's, I don't know the numbers, and this is some, it's a question that Mike Davis and others have raised is like, how many of these people um, also are um, being employed in the, um, in like border patrol. Yeah. And there, mm-hmm. so there was like talk mm-hmm. of that. And then I think, I cannot remember the specifics because I listened to it a while ago, but there was like some like oil and gas, like plant some industry. Yeah. And like the Republicans had like, they were able to morph that into a talking point to be like, like these like Democrats want to, um, you know, they're all about climate change. Mm-hmm. They want to get rid of these mm-hmm. jobs. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? So like, so you think about the political economy of the region and then, and then you contrast that to a place like Georgia or Arizona or even places like Nevada. And like one of the key things um, that we've seen is that organizations, specifically um, organizations uh, run by um, and that have a base and actually engaged like young people and like young uh, black people, young Latinx people and young indigenous people. They had a ground game. They had a plan and they were able to deliver. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, the old politics of the Democrats just saying, oh, look. So, like, what, what Mike Davis points out, like, in um, in the article um, from the New Left Review and in that conversation with Daniel Denver is, like, like it wasn't enough to just be, like, like he's he makes the point that Biden have was just, like, being Trump is, is just, like, saying I'm not Trump is going to be good. Yeah, enough. right, right. And it's not. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, there he had to have something to offer to this specific group of people. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it's important to say that it's like, like this is not the same group. Like again, like you think about um, Mexican-American or like second generation or third generation, uh, like Mexican-Americans in like a, in a border, you know, in this border region, working class is not the same group of Latinx folks that are, um, that are in like the reactionaries that we see from that are in like Florida. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I mean? And mm-hmm. like, and it's like, and I, again, I'm not saying, and it's, I'm not going to pretend to be some kind of like Latinx expert. And it's like, I think that there are real things around, uh, you know, trying to not be like the bottom of the rung mm-hmm. in like the U.S. society. So like trying to, if not aspire to whiteness, at least trying to align like, with there it. are people, yeah, or or not even that, not even. So it's like not trying to necessarily. So it's like aligning. It's either aligning with whiteness or like trying to distance Distance. yourself from like being at the bottom Mm -hmm. of like the bottom of this society, which we know is like black, Mm -hmm. like black folks. Mm -hmm. Right. So but what I'm trying to say is that, like, again, there's all kinds of specificities that I don't think that people account for in this piece where she's talking about like multiracial whiteness or when you talk about something as vague and abstract as a quote unquote Latino vote. Mm -hmm. You you understand Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, again, the, the political economy of Arizona is different than the political economy of Nevada is different than the political economy of, you know, the southern region of Texas, which is different than um, the political economy, the social landscape of Florida. And it's like, and unless you're breaking down those specificities, you're not actually being able, you're not actually providing us with an explanation of how and why people are making the political decisions that they're making. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yep. Yep. Um... Yeah, so when I, I was like, I'm like, 
I'm like, oh, multiracial whiteness. I'm like, oh, again, I'm like, you mean ideology? You mean mm-hmm. class? You mean <laughs> politics? Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so, like, one of the other things that I wanted to, I was thinking about is, so, like, people were trying to talk about, um, like, there was, like, I think it was maybe, like, an 8 or 9% increase in, like, black men support for Trump. Yeah. And so it was, like, how do we make sense of that? And I read this really good article in um, The Atlantic where there was a historian, uh, Leah Wright Rigor. And I she it was she was co it was co written with somebody else. I'll put a link to that um, in the article. And she gives like a kind of like a historical, like in the, like the last thirty to forty years about black men's voting patterns. And so she's like like black men voting for um, Republican candidates is not actually like that um, like that out of the ordinary. And so she says one of the things. Um, that has that drive that often there's a couple of things that tend to drive black men to do that. And so, and I, and, and I'm like, and I've heard, and I've heard black men say these things where it's kind of like this idea where they think that you're going to play one party against the other, mm-hmm. right? Where mm-hmm. they're like, Oh, the Democrats don't do nothing for us. And it's like, because we're so constricted within the two party system yep. that they have, they think that they're being strategic mm-hmm. about voting for, a Republican, yeah. you know, they're like, oh, black. That's what Ice Cube I was feel saying. Like I've heard, right? It's like, oh, they think that they're entitled to the vote. I don't think it's a sound analysis, but it's like, it's not. I don't think it's as simple as black men trying to aspire to whiteness, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? That that's not really um, an answer. I think on the economic front, in another article that she was talking about, and I looked at Trump's agenda for like Black America. And it's like, and it's, it's not a coincidence that he had the kind of people, the kind of black people, black men that he had supporting him. And one of the, the issues that I saw that uh, Trump was highlighting is um, like entrepreneurship. And you and oh you just got to God. go on LLC Twitter to see how much niggas love entrepreneurship. I'm done. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, and so I think it's different. And so and I want to be clear, like a black person attending like a coup that the, or like you know the the whatever the fuck you want to call it that happened on the sixth, and like a black person that's a support a part of like Proud Boys and other alt right, like r- white uh white and like right wing reactionary groups. I don't think that the black. I think that's a very specific kind of like organization with like a certain kind of political aim and ideology. I don't think that the average black man. Who would vote? Who have voted for Trump? Who's not a part of? Who's not a part of like Proud Boys? Is not thinking. Oh, I want to go back. I love America or anything yeah. like that, right? Mm-hmm. It's. I was looking. I remember looking at Trump's plan where it was like support black churches, support. Um, there was some kind of support for HBCUs and supporting black businesses. And I know in that article and another article, Leah Wright of uh, Regora pointed out was like that was one of the main things, like the economic thing that black men said that that was one of the reasons why they felt compelled um, to support Trump. And another thing on the economic front was that I don't remember the numbers in in particular, but there was some kind of fall in black men's unemployment. And so, of course, Trump took the credit for that. Now it's up to us as like politically and analytically sharp people. And I can't, and I can't explain that. I highly doubt Trump is the reason for that, but I'm Mm -hmm. sure that there are some broader economic factors that we have to be able to explain to potentially be like, you know, to, 
to mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. you know, there is there is this broader, you know, political economic trend that Trump had nothing to do right, with. Right, right. But you know, it's like and being able to convince these people, mm-hmm. like specifically, like these kind of black men who are not affiliated with Proud Boys, right. who are concerned, like I'm, who do have legitimate like economic concerns to be like, yeah, like I'm thinking about that's not that's not the move. Yeah, I'm thinking about or another explanation for uh, the drop in unemployment of black men is that there's been an increase in like uh graduation from high school and enrollment into college yep. for black men over the past yep. 10 years. Yep. So like absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And that and that precedes Trump. That, right? Yeah, that's way before Trump. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Trump as um, a president cuz you know. Yeah, you're right. And um there's some other stuff that I wanted to talk about. AKA rant about so, I feel like I've seen people talk about this a lot, and it's not really... And I agree with with this point, but for different reasons. So, a lot of people have been very critical of this idea, especially when, you, when we see what happened in, um, like, the flipping of the seats in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the very high percentage of black women that voted for Biden, there's this narrative of black women saved the country, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So a lot of people have been like, oh, that's not a good narrative because it's very dehumanizing. Black women aren't superhuman, mm-hmm. superheroes, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's all really good, blah, blah, blah. But the problem I have with that narrative is it completely, like, black women are not, and I'm a black woman. I don't go to the polls thinking, by God, how am I going to save this? Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. I think about what are the it's values. It's in defense of ourselves. And the poli- Thank <laughs> you. And, and the reality is, and it's like, all people are going to the polls. And the whole point of politics yeah. is like you are supporting something that you think advances right. or helps your station right. in life. Right. That is what politics is all about. And I feel mm-hmm. like when we get into these moralistic discussions, I feel like it's it's just not and I think I think about this stuff and it really grinds my gears as an organizer. Cause that's not what moves people to engage in some kind of any kind of political practice. You know what I'm saying? My mama, my mama, I remember my mom used to always take me with her to vote. And she'd be like, these are the issues that are important to me. These are the issues that I care about. It's not like, God damn it, the country is going under. This is a last ditch effort to save. Right, right. And I've also seen people, and I understand this, and this is going to sound critical and harsh, and I don't mean for it to be, but a lot of people like, you know, you need to think. And some of it is also, I think about, Black women trying to say, hey, we don't want to be a forgotten part of the Democratic Mm -hmm. Party. But it's like, I think the problem that I have with this narrative around black women and like, like, like we know black women are like, everybody's, oh, well, we know black women are going to do the right thing. I think it kind of strips black women of leverage. And it's like, I'm not a, I'm not a Democratic Party member. I don't vote for Democrats. But I'm like, if it's a if it's a foregone conclusion that Demo- that black women are going to vote for Democrats, and every and there's that's what so much of this narrative comes from. 
then where do black women go? Yeah. Because, like, there's no, if, like, and so this is why it's these, and so this is what I think, in a fucked up way, black men are trying to respond. To, I think some black men are trying to respond to where it's like, if you know that the Democratic Party is going to take your vote for granted, then where do you go mm-hmm. in this narrow, you know, two party system? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, and just to make it more concrete, one of the things that I, uh, that was being uh, talked about a lot is that the Democratic Party coalition is like has, so it's in this very tenuous space. And what do I mean by that? Because the Democratic Party, what we saw that what Hillary tried to do in 2016, Biden was able to do in 2020. And what was that? The Democratic Party has been shifting to try to appeal to a moderate, white, upper-class, suburban voter. And it's and there was and there was an article that used kind of Philadelphia as a um as kind of like a case study. And then Matt Carp wrote this long article about the Bernie Sanders campaign in the primary. And he wrote and there's some really good data in there where he points out how in places in like Northern Virginia and in places like Houston, but Biden did actually win. Like there were sizable shifts in former upper class, former uh, Republicans, white suburban voters switching to Biden. And so it was, a sh- and this is where I was wrong because I was like, that's a failed strategy. And that's why Hillary Clinton lost in 2016. But it's a strategy that worked. Mm-hmm. Like by, there's a lot of places where um, those numbers for Biden um, in terms of, again, the white suburbs grew astronomically. Mm -hmm. So what the fuck does this have to do with black women? It's not just enough to say that black women saved the country, but it's about trying to realize the balance of forces that are in the Democratic Party. And it's like the Democratic, it's not just the fact that the Democratic Party has been making overtures to the suburbs and these white upper class voters, but it's, 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 it should be alarming to people that that strategy has worked. And so what does that mean? It means that the Democrats are going to do establishment Democrats like Biden are going to do everything that they can to keep those voters because they know black women are going to always come out in droves and in numbers. And so I feel like organizers have to be thinking about, okay, we know black women are going to vote this way, but Again, how how do you have any leverage mm-hmm. where where your vote is actually taken right. for granted? Does that make sense? Yes. Especially when this new strategy of the Democratic Party has proven yeah. to work. Yeah. That to me is the central question. And it's and I and I I do want to say black women organizers and other organizers of color do deserve to be celebrated. I'm not saying that. But I think after the celebration, there has to be a real conversation about sh- or like an organizing, mobilizing electoral strategy. Because mm-hmm. simply saying thank black women is not enough. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And so... Um, well, drop the fucking mic on that. <laughs> um, and I, th- I think I'm just going to leave it there. So I mean, that was a hell of a way yeah. to end. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as usual, after hearing you talk, I have all these snapsies happening in my brain. But yes, <laughs> yes, to everything you just said, it's like when you're when you're taken for granted. It, it feels like the ride or die narrative, but at the at the electoral college level. At the electoral yeah, level. absolutely. Like I'm gonna do whatever to you because I I know you my rider. You gonna be here. Regardless, right. I you know you ain't never leaving. I ain't never leaving. Why even trip on that young ma tip, right? <laughs> but 
when that and then it's like they they don't think that our votes are going to like ever leave if we they like they're yeah. like ride or die. So nothing they do has to be like targeted towards us. It's gonna always be yeah. like to appease these white middle class or upper middle class suburban people. Um, because they could go either way, right? So absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I was just thinking too um, about like our friend group and conversations we have of like, um, you know, last last semester I was kind of like jokingly exploring like socialism and uh, anarchy and all this stuff, and it's like framing it, frame, framing black women as like saving the country or democratic party also locks us into being Democrats when there are. Absolutely. Yeah. It reminds me of like what AOC said, like only in this country would like her and Biden be in the same democratic, same, party. yeah, same party. Exactly. Right. So it's like also, you know, why doesn't the working family party or the green party, um, um, Workers World Party have like a bigger, right. a- actual viable like third party that is more. Yeah, yeah. I think that's gonna. Be, I want to do that this year because I've been thinking. There's a lot of structural factors that make the th- a third party almost next to impossible mm-hmm. um, in our country, and it's like I think it would be you. It would be nice to do a case study of another industrialized nation that has actual um, legitimate part, like multiple parties beyond two parties. Mm -hmm. So that's something I've been thinking about and I've been reading up on Mm -hmm. for a while. And I think that this would be a good time to do that Mm -hmm. sometime Mm -hmm. this year. Okay. All right. So, you know, this wasn't a direct follow of like the, the white women voter conversation from the last episode, but it definitely is on the same, it's in the same wave. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it also just reminded me of like the Atlanta dream, the WNBA team who was holding it down in Georgia to organizing to get uh, Kelly the fuck up out of there. And she lost her seat. Yeah. And, you know, you know, just as an, an asterisk for folks who might not be as versed in the WNBA as I am. She was, you know, car, part owner or like full owner. I think she's part owner of the Atlanta Dream. So, you know, this is basically your yeah. boss that you're campaigning against. So, I exactly. I mean, the WNBA should always be uh, celebrated for their activism. They they lead uh, professional athletes in being on the right side all the time. So, shout out to Atlanta Dream for that down there in Indeed, Georgia. Indeed, absolutely. You just made me think, another article I'm going to link to is I don't know her last name. I can't think about off the top of my head, but her name is Anoa. She used to have a podcast called The Way With Anoa. So she's a journalist out of uh, Georgia. She she wrote a really good piece um, and that named the specific people and organizations that were active mm-hmm. and like flipping the seat in Georgia. Because I think that that is really important. It's not just like people wake up yeah. and are like, okay, right. this happens. Right. Like people, like people build a base and actually get people Mm -hmm. out you know what i'm Mm -hmm. saying and so she does a really good job uh laying out the different uh black latinx and uh arab american organizations that you know uh help pave the way for that victory so all righty all right y'all so we're gonna move it on into our first topic segment of 2021 
And, you know, I thought we would do a pop culture potpourri for this uh, topic segment. Because basically the topic segment is just where we talk about everything that doesn't fit into our other segments. And, you know, me and Nikita, so I think because of the structure of Queer Walk, we don't talk a lot about, like, pop culture stuff on the podcast. Right. But in our friendship, like, we're always kikiing about some thing that's happening on LLC Twitter <laughs> or or just, like, the goings-on socially. So... You want to do uh, pop culture potpourri, Nikita? As as much as my abilities will allow. Okay. Still going off that hard seltzer? <laughs> no, you know I don't be knowing what's up on the pop culture You really front. don't. All right. So, so the first one, I'm just, I'm just going to name the topic and then we can shoot the shit about it, okay? Okay. The first one, the coup. Well... <laughs> I mean, what do you even say? I, girl, child. What the fuck was that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, um, yeah, I don't even know what to say. I, it just reminded me of being on SU's campus and, and people being like, yeah, this campus is mad racist. But then, you know. Spring 2020 happens, and it's like, oh, oh, there's like an actual organized effort of racism here. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that was about it for me. Uh, I know like a lot of people were like scared. I feel like a, yeah. a lot of students had a lot of reactions. I think more so than scared, I was just like, see, this we yeah. we've been telling y'all. You just, I think the main thing that I have been thinking a lot about is it was so interesting for me because I think the day that the coup happened, I was I was on a job. I was mm-hmm. at work and I work with like a whole bunch of um coup adjacents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But their analysis and their discussion of it was so funny. Cause they were talking about other co-workers. They were like, I'm surprised we didn't see so and so there talking, waving his guns, being, you know, just being out of control. And he's like, one of my coworkers said something that was so funny. He's like, I'm surprised we didn't see so-and-so in there in a fucking Kevlar suit. You know he's out of control <laughs> and believes all kinds of wild shit. Um, so that was, like, really surprising. I was just laughing, like, to myself so hard in the break room when they were talking about all this shit. But I think the thing, so it was like, you know, stop the steal of the election, the QAnon conspiracy. And it's like, it's just so wild to me. That we live in a moment where, I mean, this is not the only moment this has ever happened, but it's just like, they're so, like, these people are deeply so far outside of reality. And I think that is the thing Mm -hmm. that, like, scares me. Because I'm like, it's not like there's a political program that they disagree, I mean, there are, there is a political program you know, technically that they disagree with, but it's like, they're not even in reality. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? Like there is no, there's no none of rationalizing with them. There's no, yeah. gotta hear their side. It's none of that. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, it's none. And it's just like, I don't know that. So that is the thing that's like wild to me. And it's like, what do you do with those people, mm-hmm. you know, in a society? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and there's another. I'm not going to get into all my political rants about that because that's a lot of the conversation about that. Like the, everything else, I'm always just kind of like meh about the conversation. But when people were like, I just felt so annoyed when people kept, and I understand it. Like that's not fair. That's a little uh, brash and callous. But when people were like, oh, how come the police? It's like yeah. we saw how the police were treating B- and I'm like the BLM protesters how come they're not and I'm like because they're on the same fucking side they, we already, know, we already that. know that that's yeah the police is a white supremacist organization, organization. right right a white nationalist reactionary right. organization yeah like of I'm course like, they didn't yeah you don't beat your friends I mean that's what it comes <laughs> down to that's yeah that's exactly what I was thinking is like um, we know why, like the answer to this, but I don't know. I don't know if all people do know, like, yeah, I guess you're right. I'm, I'm thinking about just like going a lot of people in the Pacific Northwest in their like uh, bio on the dating apps, they'll have like hashtag ACAB or hashtag Black Lives Matter or something, but they'll have that. But then in their written, their written bio, they're just like, I don't think all cops are bad, but. You know, it's like, no, hashtag ACAP, literally the first letter is all, all. Oh. And it's not about, yeah. it's not about the individual police officer in your family yeah. or whatever. It's about the system right. of policing is a white supremacist um, protection of property over um, lives system. Exactly. And so it's like, obviously they're not course- going... <laughs> And of course, that system would breed individual white supremacists. White supremacists, right? Like I'm just yeah. like, I, like I just was so annoyed when when people were like, "How come?" I'm just like, "Yes, yeah. white supremacists don't beat each other. Like, right. let's move on." Right. Yeah. Of course, they're gonna help anyway. each other down the stairs because because right. she gotta clock in for her night shift on the on uh Washington D.C. P.D. later. So exactly. <laughs> oh, come on, Sheila. Come on in. <laughs> Yeah, I think the other thing too is like the the after kind of stuff is like I really hoped that this didn't get spent spent in a way of further padding the budget for like security and stuff like that or or like further uh, pushing out of like the black communities of DC, you know, like, right, right. Yeah, so I was thinking about that. I was also thinking about people being like, where are the police? It's like, look, y'all, we can't be saying defund as a means to abolish. And also, yeah. where are they? It's like, <laughs> we have to we have to have other responses to like uh, breaches to uh, to things, you know, especially right. like not necessarily the capital, but like, how do we keep each other safe? That was my thing. It's yeah. like. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, if you got to get out, what's your plan? What What do you do as self defense? Like those those type of questions, I started asking myself. Very very exactly. parable of the sower, you know. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I was in class. You know, I'm I'm in uh in my trade because I'm I'm still an apprentice, so we have class. So I'm in with all these like country boys, and I was like, and I and so everybody in class was talking about it. It was just a handful of us. And I was like, so who in this class going to teach me how to shoot? And they were like, Nikki, you can come down anytime. We show you. <laughs> and I was like, 
I was like, they, if they find out any of my political leanings, they, I'd go out there and learn how to shoot. They'd probably shoot me dead. <laughs> Don't say that. But yeah, I'm, girl, this is an open carry state, so I might have to get out here to some of these ranges too. Just, you know. Yeah. This is a matter of self defense, you know. Actually, you know, I was talking to you about this. I don't, I don't, I don't need no damn gun. I'm, I'm uh, unhinged as you're, it is. Yeah, you're too unstable, friend. Some white woman cut me off in the grocery store, and I'd lose my shit. <laughs> but you know what I was thinking? I, you know, I. It feels weird to say in this day and age, but like I actually, I'm not comfortable around guns. Guns don't make me feel safe, even if I'm the one yeah. wielding it. It's just. Yeah. Nah. Um, but I have been thinking about what other means of like self defense, armed resistance would I be yeah. into? And I honestly really wanna be good with like the machete. You know, just like That just seems so uh close. Oh yeah. Yeah. You gotta be like close to the person you're attacking. That's right, that's right, that's right. Because I, I want you to know. you like, look me in the eye when I exactly. cut your shit off. This is, this is who you transgressed against, okay? Not transgressed. <laughs> okay, money. So if I, had, if I had my defensive choice, I would be whipping a machete. Like, you know. All right. Well, I'm that a coward, my... so give me something from long range. Give me like a bow and arrow or something. <laughs> <laughs> something. All right. I mean, you was looking good uh, on your form when we was at the um, Upstate Escape that year. Fair. Yeah. yeah. So. Maybe. Okay. All right. Next topic. Soul. The movie. The movie. So um, everybody well, was, I feel like everybody on Twitter had a critique of Soul. I just don't do, I think most, I think 90% of the quote-unquote think pieces I see on pop culture are just not interesting. They're not good. And they're not good. I've I skimmed some of that stuff. I guess, and I told myself a long time ago I had to start reading this stuff because all it does is get on my nerves and make me angry. But I looked, I just skimmed some article. It all said the same thing. And then I watched the, the movie and I was like, this is like a fine, cute little movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was, I thought it was just adorable. Um, I think the main thing I saw, because people were comparing it to the Princess and the Frog. Yeah, like Tia, uh, Princess Tiana, they were like, "Oh, it's like, how come black people don't get to be on the screen?" And I was like, "It was, it was I just felt like it was like a fine. Uh, it was like a black person. Yeah. Yes, I understand the little spirit was Tina Fey. Okay, whatever." But it's like he maneuvers through, like this black world, like Very that barbershop world. scene yeah. that killed me. His mama yeah. and her friends. Mm-hmm. I'm just like I just I don't know. I'm you know these. I feel like such a whatever. I think I'm just getting old. But I'm like all this cultural critique. Sometimes it just be too much. I'm like sometimes people just be on the internet bored. Yeah, and I also think that people think that. Critique is the only means of like engaging. Engaging, absolutely nailed it. And cult, right? There's interesting ways. To it's do interesting it. ways, absolutely. and I just feel like uh, there there was so much more to say about soul than this like 
why black people can't be black people on the screen because there was exactly there were so many there were also so many other black characters in that film that's what i felt and like the thing i'm like y'all stuck on this like princess and the frog comparison when i'm just blown that like y'all they they like pedestal jazz in a way that i've like Animated or not, I haven't really heard people outside of, like, music and jazz scenes talk about jazz as, like, the black American, like, you know, improv art form that it is. Um, Yeah. I was just like, this is so dope. Like, this is amazing. And, um, you know, and also those moments with his students. I just thought it was a really cute film. And I... If y'all haven't seen it, I suggest you watch it. I thought it was cute. I I thought it was cute. And I don't even like animated stuff. And I Nikita really don't. Y'all know. She she was over cartoons at six years old. So Yeah, I was like, I've had enough of this uh, (laughs) foolishness about that. (laughs) I imagine you as a very old soul child. Like (laughs) I was. Yeah. I spent all my time around my mom and my grandma. That's why. Yeah. All right, so moving on along from Soul, what about this Bernie meme, Nikita? I I fucking loved it. I think it was the best thing about the inauguration. The best thing about the inauguration. I don't I don't know why every like because some people were like, oh, it's too much. I, I don't want to see another Bernie meme. Every every time I see one, I'm just I'm fucking dead. <laughs> It's just so funny to me. Nikita, my sister, because you know she's been doing the um, sticker game. I almost bought stickers. She had a sticker so fast. I was like, the internet is so fast. How have you drawn this already? (laughs) Why do you think it caught fire the way it did? Why did the Bernie meme catch fire? I think. Yeah. So part of it, I think, is like, uh, like who Bernie is. Like you know, everybody yeah. wants to be freed from student loan debt. Push everybody want <laughs> Medicare for all. But I think also it just really resonated with so many of us who have either been out of work or forced to work in a way that we don't want to be working. <laughs> it yeah. it was a very mood of like, why am I here? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> Like, I am sitting in the cold <laughs> with this envelope that I'm, I was supposed to drop off at the USPS. <laughs> it was just so, like, he just looked like, I, mean, I know that these comparisons get, you know, problematic or whatever, but it just felt like, just like annoyed auntie. Yeah. It's like, if they don't hurry up with this little inauguration. <laughs> So I got I got to get home and watch my stories now. He just it just looked like <laughs> yeah. It looked it looked very very that like um <laughs> this y'all done took 20 minutes to set up. This could have been done with already. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Y'all know what? Now y'all know big lots close at yeah. nine. I got to go. That's it. I just it just it just killed me. <laughs> Yeah, my favorite one was the uh, the wire. <laughs> oh, it's Bernie like got the pit near that couch. <laughs> that and them uh, them dancers. 
The dancers sitting was the dancers where he was sitting cross legged, like you know how them HBCU dancers. Oh, the, like the J sets and the stands. Yeah, they throwing stands. <laughs> that one, yeah. God that one. Damn it, that killed me. <laughs> yeah. So salute to the Bernie meme. That was that was that a moment. Just, that's that's the joy I needed for twenty twenty. It really was. That shit killed me. It was so funny. Um, what do you think about JoJo Siwa? coming out um i don't even know who this fine person is nikita nikita so jojo c was like a huge uh like youtube tiktok star but she also was on like dance moms like she uh is a dancer and i don't know how to describe it other than like you okay you remember like a few Years back, like Yo Gabba Gabba was real popular with little kids. Yeah. That's kind of like how her stuff is with little kids. It's like, okay, Jojo, like yeah, that's yeah. So most of her fan base is children, um, and she's young herself. Uh, yeah, I don't even know if she's like twenty one yet, but she posted this photo the other day that was like. Oh, just got the best shirt ever or something. And the shirt said, uh, best gay cousin ever. And so that was her coming out. So, you know, I mean, first of all, I want to say I'm really offended at that none of my cousins have ever got me that shirt. <laughs> it's probably because you're annoying. I am not annoying. Okay. okay. Um... Best well actually cousin. That's probably what you I'm mean. not a well actually. actually. If you, you okay. You very much more so a well actually than I am. No. Don't even that's, that's okay. so weird. no. In the in the spectrum of earth signs being annoying, Virgos are very low on that list. Like But you're not even a Virgo. <laughs> Don't go there with me, bitch! Don't go there with me. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. What so, was that? Because of the, the trapezoidal chart? So, the anyway. Um, as as I very often say, all your faves are gay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and salute to JoJo because I do know that it's like a huge risk to like disclose anything personal about yourself when your fan base is children. So, children. Yeah. yeah exactly. So, shout out to you. Well, I don't, I don't know who you are, JoJo, but congrats. Okay. All right. So I, I guess you won't know this next topic either. The verses, the verses, Beth. I didn't watch it. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, which one? Nikita only caught the Gladys Knight one. <laughs> so. <laughs> no, that's not true. I saw the Gladys Knight and the Patty LaBelle one, and I also saw saw the Monica and the Brandy one. Okay. Because y'all know Nikita stopped listening to new music in two thousand nine. So that's like. Probably 2006, actually. <laughs> so you saw the two verses of the people you knew. Um, yeah. All right. Well, the most recent one was Ashanti versus Keisha, Keisha. Cole. And, yeah. I mean, it was it was flat. I didn't think it was exciting. Um, How long did it go for? Because they only have, what, what, five hits between them. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> Okay, maybe six. They they got a good seven and a possible. Um, Let it go. 
love. Actually, that whole little album that Let It Go was on, that I think that was like Keisha's best album. And she had a lot of a lot of songs on there. To be honest, I thought that like Keisha was gonna body it, and I think she did still, even though she had very weird energy on the verses. I think she wins for me because one she has more songs where they're her song and like not her featured on somebody. Oh, because Ashanti was the, she was the chorus queen. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I just, uh, Sequoia described this to me and it, it feel like it made something click for me. Cause you know how Syracuse goes hard for Keisha Cole, right? That's true. That's true. I thought it was so random. Like, why is this upstate city going so hard for Keisha Cole? It's because Syracuse is a roller city. And so how Sequoia explained it to me is a roller, which is Syracuse slang, everyone, um, is a song that both uh, men and women will go hard for in a club. So... That being said, Keisha Cole has a lot more rollers than Ashanti does. So Ashanti is very specific to like, in my experience, like high school girl with the, her hair is still wrapped when she comes to school, but she used the rat tail comb to take it down. You know, like it's Mm -hmm. it's a very specific type of femme I just want my man. Oh, I'm gonna say baby yeah. eight thousand times like yeah. that. But Keisha, the kind of girl whose days were cold without you. Yes, <laughs> and I'm hurting. Got it. Okay, Nikita. Yeah. Is she gonna keep running back to him? I got it. Nailed yeah. It. But yeah, this also makes sense to how like when we had that conversation about music, and I was like, you know, Keisha Cole basically laid. Keisha Cole walked so that Kaylani could run. So that Ella May could could run, and you made that same face I when I said that. People, I don't think these people are in the same wheelhouse. But I okay. think they absolutely are. If you think about how how simplistic and formulaic Kehlani's songs are, um, how uh, how would I say this? <laughs> um, there's not like a lot of range in in how. She can sing. It's not like, God damn, she fucking that note up. No, that's not yeah. not the kind of singer she is. It's like, you know what kind of song and what kind of sound you're going to get consistently. Yeah. And it's it's songs that, that like, yeah. everybody yeah. goes up for. Yeah. I think about, like, Ella Mae's boot up. Like, everybody was joking, like, oh, men love this song and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, it's a... It's a holistic box. It's a roller. It's a roller, exactly. Okay. And I think Keisha Cole was like What Keisha song is a roller? What? Nikita. You you are in Syracuse. You know how hard they go. Um, I should have cheated. Yeah. That I think let it go. Let it go. Um oh, what's the like, song? Damn, that's how I changed for you. I hate that song. Yeah, but they love it. They Ooh. love it. So, versus, in terms of hits, obviously, Keisha would beat out Ashanti, right? If you're just thinking about solo songs, not talking about when Ashanti sang the hook on anything. But that's the thing. Ashanti was playing those songs. She was playing those songs that she was featured on. Like That's, that's, a, she, that's not right. Yeah. That's cheap. Yeah. 
I think that's a technical. I think both of them play deep cut songs that nobody knows except their their diehard fans that were complete missteps. But I think when it comes to it, I still stand by it after the verses, even though the verses was real weird and awkward. Um, I think Keisha still got a, a was, deeper. Yeah, I will. Yeah. I will put my money on Keisha. Yeah. And when I think about who I would care to hear new music from now. I'm like, I would yeah. much rather hear that song she dropped uh, last year with Kaylani. That was a little bop. That was a roller, too. Never had a moment where I ever questioned you, questioned you. That's why you know you're my heart. Yeah, you know I'm a yeah. I hate when we're apart. You don't know this song. It's okay, Nikita. I don't know it at all. <sighs> Look it up after we finish recording. Okay, a song that you might know. Did you hear that Jasmine Sullivan released a new project? Hotels. I listened to it, yeah. You did? I did. I am so proud of you. Yeah. this. I'm going to have a hot take. I, I'm going to have to listen to it again. I just, it didn't, I don't know. It wasn't what I was expecting. I'm going to have to run through it again. Um. It didn't grip me. What were you expecting? I don't know. I think, I think what happened is I just loved... What was that last album she put out? Reality show. I think I just love that one too much. That nothing, you nothing know. is gonna touch reality show. Yeah, I, f- I fucking like I played the shit out of that album. Me too. But I loved all the songs that uh, weren't singles off that, like, um. The like baby mama one. If I had a dime for every nigga with a rap dream and all the girls would be like a yeah. two shots. That that was my yeah. shit. Brand new. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um I mean I loved the intros. Like I like I love the concept of it. This is what I was I waiting like to talk intros. to you about. I loved what? I loved the the little like interludes of people's stories. Yeah. Um but I think it was the Rashida one. I just very uh, much appreciated a queer narrative. A queer. In this. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. I love that. It's I love that because it's like a throwback. No, people don't do interludes no more. Yeah, yeah. So I did love that. And I. People I don't do them her well. Name is Rashida. <laughs> Ella. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Grr. <laughs> <laughs> Ella may know them. Nobody want them uh, interludes. But what did you say about Rashida? I'm because I was trying to Google. I was like, who is that person? She said her name in there. I don't remember that. It's called it's called Rashida's Tale. Oh, see, I was like cleaning, listening to it because mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, who is this person? Yeah. Why? Why was you looking them up with your messy ass? <laughs> Yeah. You know, I need to know what my people is up to. I was trying to figure out who um, Ari Lennox was talking about. <laughs> yeah. And her tale. Um, but yeah, I just... Because uh, Lost One, it was like a single before Hotels came out. And I love, love that song. It's on my Sad Bitch Bop I playlist. I love it. Um, I like the lyrics, but like... Sonically, that's what it was. Sonically... Lyrically, I thought the album was very interesting, very good. Sonically, I was just not a fan of like it. Just didn't give me what I needed in terms of sound. I'm gonna have to go back to it. 
You know what I think? I think it's because when I think about the difference between reality um, show and this one, I feel like this one sounds a lot more... um, Contemporary? Yeah, it's a lot more... Yeah. I call it E&B. It's like electric and blues, the sound. Yeah, maybe that's... Yeah. And and maybe it's just it doesn't it didn't have that like classic R and B. But honestly yeah. And I know I'm a sucker for that. Yeah, you are. I feel like Jasmine Sullivan could be singing the The ABCs. Yeah. She could be singing the phone book and I would tune in yeah, and be like Absolutely. Absolutely. She could I mean, be reading off packaging labels, and I'm like, oh, yeah. oh. She she could be calling me every slur in the book, and I'd be like, eh, that's nice, Jasmine. <laughs> yeah, I love her, love her, love her voice. Um, Same. So yeah, but that um, I feel like there were moments where like I was bopping with a song, and then it just fell off, like. I really, really hated that Anderson Pac um, collab. I didn't like. I didn't like that at all. Yeah, and I like Anderson. Like I, I really do. I, I loved his music. I was with him in the basement when his tickets were five dollars. But I just, it feels like his his uh, lyrics are getting progressively more misogynistic and colorist. Oh, damn. And I'm just like, damn, nigga, you going in the wrong direction. But. Right. <laughs> So I feel other way, bro. Yeah, I feel like I'm gonna have to. He gonna have to go the way of J Cole for me. It's like I was Ugh. rooting for you, but I can't even. I can't yeah. justify it no more. And I, I think I felt the same way about mascara on Reality Tale. Like I can't ever tell if Jasmine is singing, is singing how she feels, if she's like making fun of this type of girl or if she's trying to sing from this girl's perspective i I remember when i know for the reality show one and i think i might have even seen her say something kind of the same like a similar thing around hotels but i know for yeah for reality shows she said that that's the time when she was in that abusive relationship Mm -hmm. and she was watching a lot of reality tv Mm -hmm. That's what that's where the whole concept came from, and so she was just like, like she was like, I wonder what it's like being these like people, yeah. and I and I think in the, even in that song of mascara, I feel like I hear like a. I don't think she was making fun. I think she was talking about like the tenuous relationship of being of always trying to stay up and be a bad bitch. Yeah, yeah. Like like the work and like the anxiety that it takes to be that. So I don't. I never experienced her as like poking fun or like punching down at women in her music. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I don't uh, hmm. I think sometimes I'm like is it? Is it? But what what causes me to err on the side of like no, she's writing from like an empathic perspective is that it's her own experience. Like she's you know Publicly, everybody and their mama has something to say about her size, yep. her physicality, yep. whatever, yep. her hair, like her everything. Yeah. Um, so I'm just like, yeah, like she's living, you know, with this public gaze, a constant analysis of her beauty and all this stuff. And it's just yep. like, yep. yeah, I feel that. And career. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I loved it. Uh, Lost Ones is definitely my favorite songs, but... 
pick up your feelings is so disrespectful and I love that's it. That's a good vibe. I that is, love that's, it. That's, that's, that's a good vibe right there. Come pick up your shit while I'm up cleaning. Because if you don't, it's going to be in the trash. <laughs> not fucking around. And I'm, I'm not spending my expensive gas to come drop it off to you. No. <laughs> I love it. Because, you know, I'm a deleting, throwing out, um, ridding my space of you person. So <laughs> I love that song. I like. I think I so. Obviously, I like the lyrics, but I think I liked. I think I liked how that song sounded. It's yeah. It's it is very yeah. classic Jasmine too. Um, I also appreciated on it. It was. It's just so nasty, and I was just like, yes. Um, <laughs> very very nasty. How, what was that again? Yes. yes. Sit on it, Jasmine. <laughs> You're just. Martinique, we're going to have to, uh-uh. You just nasty. We're not going to act like, we're going to sit up here and act like Jasmine Sullivan not fine? Okay. Well, oh, no, I would never say that. Exactly. she's fine. Exactly. I have several she can sit on. All right. So, um, last but not least, Bridgerton. So, I only watched it because... Our friend. You see how Nikita has to be bullied into joining her <laughs> her generation in the things that I we enjoy. I did not. So my friend came over in my bubble, and she was she don't got a TV. She just moved in, and she was like, "Oh, I want to watch it." And I was like, "Go ahead, girl. Go ahead and watch it." And I was just I was just kind of like, "Meh." I think that main guy is real fine, and I think he can't act worth a shit. Yeah, see, I don't think he's real fine, and I don't think he's a bad actor. I, 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 th- I thought he overacted. I feel the exact inverse. I feel like he overacted every single it's thing. It's a Shonda show, of it course. It was too much. I'm like, nigga, I think he down. was so... I think he was so good. I think the... The micro movements and his facial expressions were so black and acty to me. Like I was just like, "Oh, he's good." That eyebrow was putting in work. It was it, that. That was the only thing that worked. That eyebrow. <laughs> I don't know. I was, I was really buying the very unbelievable thing of like I made this vow, so I'm not gonna break this vow no matter how much I love you. I felt it. I thought it was very on. Br- I mean, but I also like other Shonda shows yeah. where people are overacting. Like the whole thing, Grey's was Anatomy. Just, the whole thing was just come felt on. overwrought to me. I was like, okay. And that little dumpy girl, I just can't. I don't know why she's supposed to be the. Who, who was his little partner the in beauty. the show? Yeah, the little Bridgerton girl. Yeah. I think it's very fitting of the time that we're supposed yeah. to be observing. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. That she would be considered the, like, be- great beauty. Because, like, she's pale as fuck. Her, all her features are real tiny. Yeah. Like, yeah, it just fits the time period. But, like, yeah, I thought he was just a regular-looking dude. But when I saw everybody, like, lusting after him on socials, I, I, I yeah, I don't want to reduce it to this, but I honestly think it doesn't take a light-skinned light dude skin, much to be considered fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, all right, whatever. But, um... A, a light-skinned dude with, a, with an overactive eyebrow. 
overactive eyebrow. That's it. Um, and don't don't let his lip quiver. That's a, not I'm even like, a little I'm bit. Like, it just, it's just like come on now. I feel like he would be like, and I must shower. It's just everything was just too much. I was having a hard time keeping track of the Bridgerton boys. I think they did. Obviously, they did an excellent job in casting because they all look alike. So I could believe that they were brothers. But I couldn't keep their storyline straight because I couldn't tell those white men apart. So (laughs) um, they just really all blurred together for me. I felt like I can't. I'm really excited to hear that they got a second season because I really want to see more of the queen, obviously. Um, And I want to see. I feel like the second oldest Bridgerton girl gave me queer vibes. And I really hope that they like explore that. Do that. Yeah. And I really thought that her and the Featherington girl were like a thing when they were shooting looks at each other across the room and like consoling each other late at night but um that didn't happen in the first season but you know how shonda liked to pop up a right a bi bisexuality uh pansexuality storyline on us so i i still have hope that it's gonna happen um i didn't i didn't the show just wasn't for me but i i i did enjoy finding out who lady whistled down was i didn't pay attention to like that final scene and i was like oh Oh, that's so, that was so obvious, that was to, obvious me. to me. How how not? I but don't I mean, know. I and just in case people still want to watch, just in case people are listening to this and haven't watched Bridgerton, like I just that was so obvious to me. It was obvious very very early. That's all I say. I think it just I wasn't really watching it. I was just like doing other stuff. It's just I don't know. I didn't understand what all the the fanfare of the show was. Hmm. It, it, I like it. It might just not be my genre of TV, and I think that that's okay too. Mm. That's probably it. I can't wait. I really want Shonda to give us a Shonda season, like with twenty-two episodes, and we just really into the mess. Twenty-two episodes uh-huh. and probably thirteen deaths, because that's the Shonda way. <laughs> what can't just call her an emotional terrorist? You gonna kill every? You can't kill all the important characters. She's like, watch me. <laughs> you die. You die. You be worse die. than Game of Thrones. Damn. I'm like, every episode <laughs> of a Shonda show is a red wedding. That's not right. <laughs> That's not right, Shonda. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And last but not least, we have. The Curved Chronicles segment. This is the segment of the podcast where we talk about our dating woes and wins and or your dating woes and wins as queer folks of color, which you can submit to QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. So, dating. Well, a lot has changed since the last episode. Uh, For one, um, Nikita has more hair than me now. Yeah. Yeah. Money looks so, <laughs> and I can't even get a haircut now because money has set the bar so high. What are you talking about? Be, That's not even your how haircut looks so good that if I got it, people would be like, "And there go that small dusty bitch looking second rate." <laughs> no thanks, Nikita. We we won't be standing next to each other. 
Wow, that's when you say, you, no, the bitch didn't say, oh, no, no, the kid, you're going to look great. It's like, no, bitch. People won't see how ugly you are because you won't be sitting next to me. Thank you. <laughs> you that know that's not what I meant. That was the subtext. <laughs> no, it's not. What I'm saying is like the comparison won't be to me. We won't be standing next to what each other. What would the comparison be to, money? To yourself. Okay. Like you now versus you with a haircut. So you're like ugly now, ugly later. <laughs> Okay. Not what I said, Nikita. No. First of all, I just want to make note. I'm the first one to be like, ooh, Nikita, when she gets that haircut, because she be looking fresh and good. She be looking like Zaddy Nick with them with them haircuts. All right. This right now oh, looks like don't finish. <laughs> don't even say it. Nobody asked. You know like when you take your braids down. Okay. And you like haven't washed your hair yet, but you about to. <laughs> but but you're pulling it off. Wow, that's like oh the ugly works for you. That's that was what you just I, said to me. I never said ugly. It's implied. You're using it's those implied. words. It's not. It's implied. It's not. Wow. I think, you called me I mean, racial slurs before we record. You called I me never ugly called you a racial we, slur while we record. I never wow. called you a racial slur. Anyway, you know what? You're gonna get curved by me. That's gonna be the curve chronicle. Nikita, I've curved you on air so many times, friend. And you're proud of that. But Ooh, good for you. <laughs> anyway, if it makes you feel better, go ahead, curve me. Curve. Consider yourself curved. Okay. Do you think thank you is a curve? Like when you openly flirt with somebody and they respond back thank you absolutely yeah me too if they don't if they don't respond in kind it's a pleasant it's like a it's like i think it's a genuine thank you but it's also it's like thank you for the compliment and in parentheses but i'm not interested i'm not interested that's what i think too yeah i've like i've pretty overtly flirted with people and they respond thanks (laughs) or thank you and i'm like yeah that's a curve yeah a curve that i'm okay with you know it's like all right Um, yeah and then there's no need to um message that person back because hashtag no new friends (laughs) yeah that i'm still in this stance like i don't need any new friends have amazing friends wonderful people yeah World changing. Friends she thinks are I ugly. I don't need but new friends. Friends nonetheless. I don't think any of my friends are ugly. That's actually the problem. It's like the the emotional, physical, financial, <laughs> spiritual support that I get from my friends and they all have the nerve, the audacity to be fine. It's just gonna be real hard for a partner to like measure, measure up. Measure up, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, booze. Yeah, so I mean, I'll just live in my fantasies of Simone Augustus. Um, Yeah, but um, yeah. So I think the last time we recorded, I was in a little uh, bay ship, Uh and I'm no longer. Uh, you know, is so is the way all my bay ships go. Like I feel like I have a three month uh, max. Like you know how people have a three month rule for sleeping with somebody. I have a three month rule for being together. That's not even true. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. But it's cool, you know. I think things end when they need to. When they need to. Yeah. And it needed to. Oof. But um so in that in that vein, you know, the the apps are like the only way people are like connected safe at this yeah. point because you can't be like out at the club. I just wanted to say I think her is doing a very incredible job during this quarantine. They have like events like three times a week. They've had guest speakers that I really want to hear from, like uh, Jennifer Eden. Um, yeah, like she's done um, events with them. Philandi, uh, uh, therapist, queer affirming therapist extraordinaire has Damn. done events with her. Yeah, they've had like of incredible events. And then they just uh, announced like they have a whole Black History Month schedule of events for black queer folks. And the first movie that they're showing is Rafiki. Oh and you know, how I, I about 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 Rafiki. you know how I feel about Rafiki. So I just, I'm like, I don't know what we got to do to let her know that Queer Walk is, is a here. fan. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like, yes, I think they've been doing such a great job through like actually creating community yeah. through um, the quarantine. Um. And I, I also wanted to share, I wanted to do dramatic readings of some, um, what do you call these things? DMs on the app. Oh if you'll... my God, this is going to be so much fun. <laughs> Not a Are you dramatic ready? reading. I'm so ready. This is going to be ridiculous. This, is, this was my favorite one. Um, I think I told you about this one. So, I matched with, let's call her Sally. Uh, I matched with Sally. No, let's not do Sally, because I have a dear friend named Sally, and that would be weird. I was, um, I didn't want to say. <laughs> Give me a name. I can't think of one. Cheyenne. Cheyenne. Okay, I matched with Cheyenne, and three days went by, and we hadn't messaged each other. And so, on her, they'll send, like, an icebreaker. Like, let's get the party started. And it'll ask both of us a question. Um, and so the icebreaker was whack. And so I said, oh, no, are we going to do that thing where we match but never chat? Please, let's not do that. I'm too extroverted and you're too interesting. I can tell from all of your photos with a smiley face. And Cheyenne replies, I'm sorry, with an exclamation point. Today is the last day of my quarter, so I've been writing like a maniac until 4 a.m. every day. So sorry if I haven't replied to you. I respond. <laughs> oh my goodness, I do not miss those days of writing final papers. Sending you rest and inspiration for your writing. If you need a study break, I'm around. And then the next notification I got is this profile is no longer available. No, <laughs> so boy. she unmatched me, obviously. Um, <laughs> don't know what to make of that. Next one. They start off. Uh, let's see. Let's call this person Dina. We'll keep with the superstore okay, names. Yeah. Dina says, hey, you cute with a flag that I don't know what the flag is. I'm guessing it's the country that they're from. Okay. 
So it's a flag. It's like, hey, you cute. And so I reply, I reply, hey, thanks. And then I put, you can't sleep either, huh? Because it was like three in the morning. Um, They say, I'm tired, but sleep is a tricky one. Um, I live in Tacoma, kind of ghetto. How about you? <laughs> what? <laughs> I just didn't understand the, the transition there. Yeah, there was like, a one. <laughs> so, you know, sleep is tricky. I live in Tacoma, it's kind of ghetto. ghetto. <laughs> what? And I... <laughs> And so I just don't know how to continue that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, yeah. So I was just like, what's ghetto about Tacoma? Because I told y'all, like, ghetto is not, not like none right. of the words I would use to describe this place. Everything, LOL. So what you doing? <laughs> and that's when I exited the that conversation because I was just like, that was a good and, but idea. then. They sent me another uh, message this morning. What did they um, say? Uh, do you so you have a so do you have a problem with small tits? You're much <laughs> like you're making this shit up. I'm not. I'm not. That was the message, and I was just like, I didn't stop messaging you because <laughs> your boobs are small. <laughs> I stopped messaging you because. You went from I can't sleep to Tacoma's ghetto. Uh, what you doing? Got a problem with small titties? Like what? That is. <laughs> these messages are jarring. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how things are going for me Whoa, on the oh day. <laughs> these people are in crisis. I also got messages like, I only swiped right on your profile because my wife thought you were cute. Uh, real message. Um, uh, hey, how are you? I'm fine. No complaints. That is that is their message to me. <laughs> like <laughs> They asked how are you, but answered how they were. How they were? Okay. Yeah. That's, that, so, that's a little strange, but not like totally, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> they're like they're, you're, they already knew what you were gonna ask so they were just trying to get ahead of the curve I can appreciate the enthusiasm <laughs> yeah and so I don't know I mean I feel like I try to you know curate a pretty good profile on these things and uh, people are strange I, I mean I think that's where all people there is are, to it people are strange because we talk about the. I, I actually wrote it in the show notes is like I can't imagine, I'm 31 years old. I can't imagine that me, I would log into Snapchat, select the Dalmatian face filter with the tongue, with the tongue out. out, take that photo, Upload and it. then go to my camera roll and be like, which photo really conveys to my future potential partners? That I'm the one. Yeah. It's this one. Yeah. It's, it's this Dalmatian it's the, face. It's when I look like a dog face bitch. That's what's gonna. <laughs> <laughs> that, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. And I mean, it's like every profile. I, it would be something different if it was just like one every person, but like. Yeah. 
every profile. it's harder to it's harder to find profiles that don't have the like the animal face uh picture as as the first photo or definitely in there and you're just sliding through the photos and they all have these that's so weird to me those filters face filters yeah, yeah. what is, what is that because somebody please use the hashtag queer woc <laughs> on all things to explain to me because i i i don't see it as much on like regular social media like on twitter people's like icons on instagram or if, uh, whenever i happen to be on facebook that's that's probably like i'm sick or something but i don't see people posting as many of those like filter faces on those sites as i do on dating sites yeah. like what is it with the freaking I think animal are, faces i think people are self-conscious i think people feel like i mean i don't know I hear that. You know what? I, I, you know, my initial thought when you said that was like, for so long, I feel like in K through 12, I was very, very insecure, had very low self-esteem. And I had just realized like, damn, bitch, I've done a lot of work because if I feel self-conscious about the way I look, I just don't post the photo. I'm not going to go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Add That's ears. How I feel about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm just like or a snout. because because I'm when I show up, when you see me, I'm not gonna have a Dalmatian nose with a tongue hanging out. Like <laughs> maybe 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 things are different in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> um, yeah, and I just honestly feel. I mean, I've never since being of age to use like dating apps and stuff. I've never felt no kind of way about my face, like. My face is. Tense. Well, you're also like an extremely attractive and photogenic person. Well, tell that to fat phobia. <laughs> well, there's also that. Um, but yeah, I just, I guess that's it. It's like I feel good when I'm. I look at my pictures and I'm like, y'all should be so lucky. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. It's like form a line, bitches. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I feel. But then, you know, it'd be real quiet on these apps. And there's like, okay, it's been like no matches for like six weeks. And you're like, what the hell is going on? But I don't know. I think my conclusion to what the hell is going on is that this is an odd way to form an attachment. And people are weird. That's what I think. I really, I was literally about to say essentially both of those things. That's what I think it is. That's what it comes down to. Well. I mean, I still look good. I mean, yeah, she does. <laughs> I I look incredible, actually. It's kind of unfair yeah. that I look this this good and I can't go nowhere. But which is why it's even harder for an ugmo like me to look at you on video. Are you done, basically, Nikita? But I mean, that's what you said. I never said this, and you're an you ob- objectively me, not. How you did you say it just now? You're not you're not ugly, Nikita. So it's really annoying. You basically when you're called like, me because you said those nasty things about you. Basically said I'm a nappy headed ugmo. That's what I heard. Well, you know, I mean that's not true, but that's what I heard coming out of your mouth. Yeah, you, you know, I'm not gonna invalidate your story. So, <laughs> wow. Okay, you, okay, you fucking narrative therapist, <laughs> calm down. Whatever your experience of this exchange was, oh, you give you give these bougie blacks some tools and they'll just run right off the rails i am i am simply honoring your narrative okay all right 
I don't want this to be an unsafe space for your narrative. Okay. I'm about to tell you a few things about your narrative when we get off this mic. (laughs) All right, y'all. So that's been a a hefty, lengthy episode back. Girthy. Yeah. um, Of Queer Walk. So I hope y'all enjoyed. Uh, Please hit us up on all the things at Queer Walk Pod, P-O-D. Um, and yeah, shoot us an email at QueerRockPod at gmail.com if you have any questions or to submit a curved chronicle for us to request a topic. Um, and yeah, I have, there's so much more to come this year. I'm going to like manifest some guests that I would love to have on here. This is Money, the Virgo who's questioning that identity. And this has been Nikita, your friendly neighborhood endearing inebriated introvert. And you just listen to Queer Walk the Podcast. Bye, y'all.